about is lecture. It's the natural world. We normally start with the story, don't we? Yes, that's correct. So this story today is uh, well. We give some explanation first. Many people know of a tree called Yggdrasil. Uh, some call it tree of life, some people call it tree of knowledge in many different uh, and can you say cultures uh, there is this belief of the the tree that connects heaven if you like heaven the cosmology the cosmos to the earth in some uh, different belief systems different cultures they have uh, at the bottom of the the root system weaving uh, the fates, the three fates, uh, and they are weaving the the life of the different humans. That's what they're doing. That's their job. So this uh, story, if you like, is about the time before Yggdrasil, or, or more appropriately, how the tree became Yggdrasil. So in a way, it's like a creation story. For many cultures, Yggdrasil was always there, like God always has been there. But for uh, my people, perhaps you would like to say, it was not always there. It was something that was created. So therefore, it's like a creationary story. Before it was called Yggdrasil, and known as the tree of life or the tree of knowledge, we called it the lament tree. But we said it quick, lament tree, lament tree. But it was the lament tree, the word lament, other word tree. And it was uh, not one tree. One tree was the lament tree. In What we mean by that is that it wasn't uh, one tree for the whole uh, world. There were lament trees for everybody, everywhere. The lament tree was utilized by humans because humans were very aware that something made them animate, if you like, that made them different from their neighbor, their wife, their husband, etc. They were very aware of that, but so they assumed, like many of us do now, that there was, uh, we use the word spirit now, that there was something that was within them that made them this way. As a, an extension of that, they assumed that anything that was uh, in the world, therefore, had to have a spirit. Because even if you had this oak tree and this oak tree, the same kind of oak tree, they would not grow in the same way. They would have branches in different places. So they assumed, like humans, that there was spirit in that. They were also aware 
that the tree, for example, was a very solid, strong, uh, yes, perhaps wise is a good word, that was in a way more than them because many trees, the trees that they used for their lament trees were old. They were big, old trees. So for a human, they were aware that this being had been here for much longer than they had and therefore it had acquired a certain majesty about it. So a lament tree was always the tree in the forest or the wood or the bush around them that was the one that exuded the most majesty, that gave off the most, uh, that kind of strong energy. And of course they uh, imagined that there was a spirit in that that tree that made it what it was. So for many uh, groups, they would have in their the, the, the closest surrounding forest or uh, wooded area, they would have one tree that they called the lament tree. The lament tree was utilized for humans to go to and uh, discuss, if you like, their worries. Perhaps they couldn't get uh, with child. Perhaps they were not good hunters. Perhaps the the chief was uh, unable to control people. Perhaps there was an unruly child. All of these types of things. The same sorts of issues that are today always also there. So they would go to the lament tree. They would put their hand, right hand, on the tree and often their forehead here on the tree so they could connect like that and they would pour out to the lament tree all of the things that were troubling them all of the things that were a burden to them and they would give it to that tree they would share it they wouldn't give it really they would share it with that tree because very often and you'll find this in your own life when you have a burden that you keep to yourself it can be detrimental to the self. If you can just share even some of that burden by just telling somebody and somebody can help you, be compassionate with you, commiserate with you, give you some advice, then that burden often becomes less than and you can see more clearly. So there's a saying, a burden shared. Right? It's the same thing with the tree, with the lament tree. There would be this sharing of the burden. So when the person had done this, they felt that uh, they still had the problem, they still had the burden, but there was some a lightness of it, a lightness about it, and perhaps uh, they could cope better. The interesting thing, however, is that what they then found throughout time was that they would go to the lament tree and they would pass on, share their burden, and then they would go back to their life. Maybe things changed, maybe they didn't. But often then, later, they would go back, you know, into the wood to, to, to gather, to, to hunt, to walk, to, to do whatever. And they would just be walking, maybe not even thinking about that uh, uh, issue or that burden that they went to the lament tree about. And they would uh, 
touch another tree, maybe they would brush past something, uh, they would pick some fruit, whatever it was. And often they would, from as if it was like a, a lightning bolt in their head, they would get an answer or they would get clarity or they would have this feeling of understanding and of the issue that they went to the lament tree about. They might even have forgotten about that issue with the lament tree. But all of a sudden it came back and it was not just clear for them, not just an unburdening, but it was knowledge. They were given some knowledge that could, uh, could assist them. So as time went on and uh, generations, yes, generations, humans were uh, always quick thinkers, but sometimes these things take time. They realized that the trees were talking to each other. They were talking to each other. So somebody would go to the lament tree, who was the majesty of that uh, wood forest bush, and then that information, that burden, was then disseminated to the other trees. And somewhere along the line it was disseminated so much that clarity came and there was an ability for the tree to understand and to give an answer or to give advice. Not the lament tree, but the others that were around it. And for some groups, initially, this was thought that it was like a magic, that that forest or that wood was um, enchanted. It was an enchanted area, right? And that it was, uh, perhaps there were elementals in there taking the, the, the information from one tree to another and passing it on. Absolutely possible absolutely possible. They also discovered, when people realized the benefit of this, they were able to take their fear away and to go and look and see what was going on here in this, in this place. And some bright spark noticed that around the trees, the, the lament tree, were uh, mushrooms, but called Fungi, fungi, fungi. Different kinds, not all the same, but they were around the tree. And then they started to think, they started to, they looked at that and thought that was odd, and then they, by chance, if you like, the bright spark, then went to the tree to try and see the tree that had given them the, the, the answer, the knowledge, to look at that tree to see what there was, and they noticed as well there around the tree was this fungi. Not all the same, but it was there. And then they thought, this is a very interesting uh, discovery. So then they started to look at all the different trees that had spoken. And they noticed that there was this fungi. They noticed that there were paths of fungi all through this wooded area. And so they got uh, a shaman who was a diviner because all shamans, not all, many shamans have a particular skill. This one was a diviner. Maybe you call it a seer. 
yes, seer, to come and to look at this space. And what this shaman discovered was that if you um, looked, if you were up in the tree and you looked down, and it was like you could see through the top layer of the ground, you would see that it was like um, connections that were like like lighting up, all these different uh, colors lighting up. And they realized that the fungi was like a conduit. Right? It was a conduit through the forest. It was like the mail service. That of course they didn't have mail service was the messenger service through the forest, and they realized that they that that was something that was uh, unique to the natural world, right? Yeah. Before they would just walk through the forest and step on what not you know they were not so careful. They would just pick the the, the fungi. They would step on it. Wouldn't uh, mean anything to them, but they realized that this was something, the power of that, that there was all of these connections un just under the surface, if you like, and it was going from this tree to that tree to this plant all around, and it was the fungi that was being the communicator. What did this mean? In practical terms, in, uh, if you like, spiritual terms, there was that uh, feeling of uh, getting an answer, you know, relieving your burden and then getting an answer to your burden. But in practical, when they started to look at what what messages could be sent, it was very interesting what they found. Because what they found was that the forest, we're just going to use the word forest, but you can imagine wood, uh, mountainous area, wherever there was, that it was providing what the people needed. Because when they came to the lament tree, we don't have enough food. We don't have uh, this and that. We don't have enough water. The forest was sending through the fungi. The, the tree was disseminating this information through the fungi to the other trees and to all of the plants around. And the forest was able to provide what was required for the humans. So they realized that there was a lot more going on in this natural world, in this forest, than they ever imagined. It wasn't something that was just a tree uh, that grew up and it was its own um, entity. Yes, it was. But in this area, it was a living, dynamic organism. And they realized the, the importance of that, right? And that they had this living dynamic organism there that was helping them, that was teaching them, that was giving them what they needed. So this was a revelation to them and it actually changed the way people looked at the natural world. They didn't just look at it and say, this is where we get our food from, this is where we hunt our animals, etc. This is where we get the materials to make uh, shelters and what have you. They looked at it as something that was actually alive, dynamic, with a mind, right? And so that changed the way that people looked and interacted with the natural world. As a result of that, Yggdrasil was born. 
because they realized that the, the, the tree of majesty, the lament tree, was uh, much more than just something to, to put your burdens to, something to, uh, to share with. It was the, the fount of knowledge. Because when you think about it, the humans were putting all of their, uh, or some of their knowledge into that lament tree. As a result of that, that tree was disseminating that information through the fungi all around, all around it. And so that tree became the tree of knowledge, but also the tree of life, because it was giving that information so that the forest, for example, could provide what the humans really needed, Yggdrasil. That's how, for us, we have Yggdrasil, right? So what is this? Uh, this is, look at this, you want to change that? Uh, you keep talking. We are just looking at the, there's the red light. That's why we are, we are having the little conversation onto the side there. Uh, so the natural world, you can see that, uh, that one of the words that we used there was knowledge, tree of knowledge. Some people call it tree of life. We prefer to call it tree of knowledge for us. The tree of knowledge or the natural world, what does it do for us? Well, it's a teacher. The natural world is a teacher for the humans. Remember we said that the spirit, the animal spirit guides walk with you and they are your friend and they give you support and they give you, they can give you guidance and they can work with you. The natural world is different in the fact that it is separate. It can't walk with us. It's separate from us in that way, but it's like it's the teacher. If you just look at uh, weather patterns, right? If you are living in the wilderness, for example, not in, not in a safe house, or even if you do, the better you know the weather patterns, the better, the better you know what that cloud formation means, what that color of the sky means, what uh, that wind means, what that smell in the air means. The more you know that, the better you know that, the more you'll be able to survive. So it's teaching. The, the natural world teaches us about our environment and how we as humans can live in it because let's face it humans are not adapted are not very well adapted for the environment that we live in we, the skin on our hands can pierce like that you know you look we don't have any fur on our body to keep us warm uh, we are we don't have the big teeth uh, or the claws uh, we can't fly we can't swim underwater for forever. So there are many deficiencies about the human being in that way. The thing that makes us adaptable, the only thing, is our mind. Our spirit mind, our brain mind, whatever you want. And that means it needs to be fed constantly with information. It needs to constantly be taught. It needs to constantly acquire knowledge. And that's what the natural world does for for the human. Well, that's how the shamanic tradition looks at the natural world. And then, and then further from that, we said that we talked about the weather. 
So, and then you look at water, and then you look at rocks, and then you look at mountains and trees and what have you. And when you look at all of those different things, they have something that uh, defines them, if you like. They have a characteristic that is a defining thing. So, water. Water is meant to move, right? Everybody knows that if water is in a pond and there's no movement, it in a way, it rots, right? It allows, uh, what is that, algae and plants to rot and what have you, because there's no movement. So water needs to move. It needs to move. Now, the human body, even in ancient times, the ancient, ancient times, the humans were aware that the, the, the human needed water and that it excreted water. So that they knew that water was a part of the human body. Now, if water, if the, the, uh, the characteristic of water is that it needs to move to stay alive, it needs to move to be productive, it needs to move to be pure, it needs to move to do its job, then that also says the human needs to move. The human cannot be staying in the one spot. The human cannot be sedentary. It cannot be, uh, what is that, immobile. The human has to move like the water because the human is made up of a lot of water. If the water, if the human has the water in the body, and it doesn't move, it becomes stagnant. It becomes, it can be diseased, it can cause disease, it can cause a bacteria to grow, right? So the human needs to move, and water teaches us that. Rocks. When you look at rocks, and we are talking not of the little stones, because stones and rocks are different. We're talking of like boulder rocks. And when you look at a boulder rock, it looks uh, dead, inanimate. It looks like it's just there, right? But if you really look at that rock, it has this energy, right? Now, the rock is heavy. The rock is strong. The rock can um, cause some problem if it rolls down and hits something. But there is this energy about the rock that is strong. There is a silence about the rock. There is a stillness about the rock. So we have stillness, we have silence, we have strength. This is telling us something. It's telling us that there are times in your existence where you need to be still and silent to be strong. Because still and silent allows the resources to gather, allows you to see what's going on, allows your consciousness to become part of what is happening. And that gives you strength. You know the people, there are lots of people out there and they talk, talk, talk. We can't talk because we like to talk all the time. But talk, 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 talk. And they're at you, at you. And they're busy, 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 constantly doing things. Busy, busy, busy. They've always got something to say. 
There's always somebody who is keen to have an argument or a fight or what have you. And those people often look strong because they're moving all the time and they're active and they're, you know, they've always got the big words and they've always got the, their dominant and uh, all of this type of thing. And then the quiet person who sits over in the corner who doesn't say very much and just gets on with their life, they look weak because they're not out there, uh, you know, uh, forcing their point or, or their agenda or whatever. But the rock tells us that there is strength in stillness and silence. And when you look at the rock and you see the denseness of it or the density of it and how that makes you so, that is such a strong thing, you can see that for some humans it's important that they take note of what the rock is saying to them. There are times to be still and silent because then you can have a different kind of strength without forcing your point, forcing your issue, making people want to do what you want to do, etc. This is giving them a different way of getting, uh, of being. So you see the rock here is teaching. The tree, uh, well, we, we have spoken briefly about, well, not briefly, we have spoken about the tree. But what can the tree teach us apart from uh, uh, giving it, uh, sharing with it, and then it disseminates and, and passes that information around and we get a message back. Well, disseminate is the word. The tree shows us that there are different ways to, uh, well, we say it like this, to disseminate knowledge. You can, you know, there is the tree. Let's say it is the majestic tree with the long trunk and there are many branches with many leaves out there and then the root system is very deep and, and large. The tree disseminates through the root system and it also disseminates through the branches and the leaves as they sway. That information, it, it moves out as birds uh, nest in their uh, canopy, yes, those birds take, you know, energy from that tree to another place. The fruit of the tree, the nuts of the tree, they fall, they are eaten and what have you. So that tree is saying to us there are many ways to disseminate knowledge. In other words, there are many ways to live the same life. You know, there are sometimes people that have to have things done their way. And... Not just they have to do it their way, but everybody has to do it that way. There are people that try to force their will on other people for whatever reason. The tree says to us that there are many ways to live the same life. And there are many ways to disseminate knowledge in that way. And when you look now, especially now, but even when it was out my time, there, there is this um, movement that children and humans learn differently. So they need to acquire knowledge in the way that suits them. Some of them need to be rooted and they need to have that very strong base. They need to be sitting in a chair and really focusing on their work. Others need to be... Uh, out and about moving and gathering information as it as it comes past and sending that information off 
others need to have like the bird. They come here and they learn this and they really know that and then they go to somewhere else, they pass that knowledge on or they really know something else because they build their nest there this time. So there are all of these different ways to learn, to acquire knowledge and to live. And that's what the tree is telling us. That's what the tree the, the, is teaching us, is teaching us. Then we have something like uh, a mountain. Mountains are uh, also majestic. There is something about a mountain that has this place where uh, it is there, it is taking up space, but it is not taking up space because it has gone up. But it is uh, perhaps covered in trees, perhaps it is just rock, uh, grass, whatever, but it has this immenseness about it and it has a quietness about it and it has a purpose about it. You can see even though the mountain is there, it's like it's brimming with purpose. There's something about a mountain that says there's a purpose here. It also says to the human, it's teaching that one of the things, one of the many things it teaches the humans is uh, perseverance. Perseverance. To climb a mountain takes perseverance. You know, it might be hard to get to the top. It might be easy for you. But at the end of the day, it takes perseverance. You have to get, to get to the top, you have to work. You have to, you have to work to get there. But another thing that a mountain teaches a human is preparation. It's preparation. If you decide to climb a mountain at f late in the afternoon and you've not taken into account the, the um, time of year, in other words, is it summer or winter? Does it get dark early or late? You haven't taken into account the weather. You haven't taken into account that you need to have good shoes, warm clothes, uh, water, some way of communicating with people. You've taken none of that into account and you just go. Well, you might find yourself in great difficulty and not only that, you will put other people in great difficulty because they will feel the need to come and rescue you. So you are not just putting yourself in difficulty but other people. So it teaches about preparation but it also teaches about uh, thinking of others, thinking, uh, thinking ahead. That's what it teaches, thinking ahead, preparation and thinking ahead. So you can see that, that uh, there's many things in the natural world that have uh, particular characteristics that define them, but those particular characteristics that define them teach us as humans. And in the shamanic tradition, it's very important that you are respectful enough to look at these things and really find out what is the characteristic of this particular thing and honor that and take it on board. Right? The water is a very good one. If you persist in sitting down, watching the television, on the computer, at your workstation at work, and you don't move, then the water in your body becomes stagnant. Now, the humans have a very good system where they actually get rid of waste, right? They get rid of it. But 
that is a process that is different to what we're talking about because a lot of the water that your body uh, that you take in your body has to absorb to keep parts of the body going so there is water in there if that water is not activated if it's not flushed out if it's not replenished if it's not moved then it will become stagnant which means that as we saw in the pond it is just there it gets warm it's there for bacteria to grow for algae to grow for uh, leaves and what have you to fall into rot it's exactly the same so we see the water we see that it characteristic that defines it that the water actually needs it needs movement it also needs movement to move the oxygen around right same in the human body if you don't move your body around then the oxygen in your body becomes uh, it only goes to certain places and when it gets to the other places it's stale, stale. so movement right the body needs to move and that's what the te that's what the water teaches us so the natural world in the shamanic tradition we use it as a teacher to teach us about not just about itself not just about how we can survive in it but it also teaches about ourselves our existence because when you think about it we come we are all the same element right we all come from the same we are all made up of the same thing so are there any questions at this point good so everybody understands that's good now how can you uh, incorporate the natural world into your life as an everyday thing obviously you can what we have just said is a a, a, a more of a long-term in-depth process right but one thing that we want to um, share with you that you can incorporate in your life very easily and bring the natural world or that energy of the natural world that natural teaching world into your life every day is to have can you see can they see a medicine bag many cultures have and have uh, medicine bags in their uh, in their way they use them uh, for not for the medicines that uh, Westerners imagine not for what is Panadol or uh, things like that but they use it for their if you like their connection with their uh, totem or their animal spirit guides or the natural world these are easy to make and actually to make it uh, for you to make your own for you to make your children's uh, is what we would consider the better plan instead of going to buy something because you are making it for yourself you're making it for your children so you ha you are in it what do you put in here what do you put into this bag this medicine bag for some they would actually put uh, maybe they would put some their own kind of medicine like some leaves or uh, that they chew if they have headache or what have you you can do that but what we would suggest at this point is to put things in here 
that connect you to the natural world or connect you to your animal spirit guide. So let's say that you have uh, a bird of some description as your animal spirit guide. You could put a feather of that bird in here so that it's always close to your chest. You might want to, you, you, you are walking anywhere and you see uh, you're at the, the beach and you have a very beautiful shell. You might want to, because you feel connected to the, to the sea, to the, to the sand, to, to the, that area, you might want to pick that shell and put it into your medicine bag. Perhaps you find a leaf, a nut, uh, a piece of twig. Uh, it can be anything. And you can have a collection of things in your medicine bag. The reason that you want them, you can put crystals in your medicine bag if you are feeling that you need to have emotional support uh, or that you are uh, needing to feel courage right you put the crystal in there and you can change things in the medicine bag you don't have to have the same thing in the medicine bag all the time because what you are using the medicine bag for is medicine it's your own personal medicine so we say put these things in there because it makes you feel connected or it makes you feel supported or it makes you feel loved or it makes you feel connected. That's what we use the medicine bag for. And so we would encourage, not urge, but we would encourage people to create a medicine bag for themselves. You don't have to wear it on the neck. You can put it around the waist. You can have it in the pocket if you don't want people to see it. The thing is that you are putting things in there that are your medicine, that you things that make you feel, as we said, connected, loved, supported in the natural world or the animal spirit guides, uh, crystals, whatever it is that really makes you feel that you are uh, supported, that you have your medicine with you. And this, this having a medicine bag with any of these things that we have said in it, it gives you you know, life now for many humans, Westerns especially, is busy. There's a lot of energy out there that's not your energy. You, you go to the supermarket and there's lots of people there. with lo and They're busy, lots of energy, lots of machines beeping, lots of bright lights. And this can separate you from uh, the natural world, from that connection of... of we just use the natural world to mean animals, etc. Now, that it it disconnects you from that. If you can have something like a medicine bag with you, when you are in those spaces, you can just put your hand on it and know that you are connected. You can be in this space with all of this noise and these lights and these smells of the pollution and these people that you are making lots of noise and are disconnecting you from what is important to you you can just put your hand on it and it focuses you on that you can go through your life in this place and not feel like you are burdened by all of this that's going on or disconnected from the natural world or from uh, yourself actually because it disconnects you from yourself so that's what we want to finish with today is this idea of the medicine bag and you can investigate uh, if you want to investigate different kinds of materials but natural materials is best right 
natural, like yes, natural fibers, wool or cotton or hemp. Many cultures use leather. That's up to you. If you want to use leather, just remember it's from an animal, and that might change your thinking about using it for that. The yes. You see, it's different in places where they have slaughtered the animal for their food and for all of the other uses that they use that animal for, where they have given respect and they have worked to actually get that animal. It's a different thing. But that's up to you. We're not going to make judgments on that. But natural fibers. So we would encourage people to do that. So if there's no questions. Uh, you have any questions? Yeah, we do. Just just on the medicine bag. So I put berries of my totem in my pocket. Uh, so you could put put something of your totem in there as long as it's respectful to your totem. Yes, that's what we said. If there or yes, you could do that. We said animal spirit guide before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even you know animal spirit guide. You could even have if you wanted. Let's say that you have. Uh, something like a wolf. Well, it would be difficult, first of all, to get something of a wolf to put in your bag, but you could uh, have a small photo or picture of a wolf, right? Because, okay, that's a two-dimensional uh, object which is man-made, but the point is that you will imbue it yourself with your animal spirit guide, right? You said this is... Uh, the representation of the wolf, or whatever it is, so you can do things like that. It doesn't have to be actually from that thing, but things that you can, like you have the berries. Uh, for example, Caroline's uh, totem is water. Well, if she put water in this, it would be a complete disaster, right? But she could, if she wanted to, have a vial of water or she could get a crystal that was really for her representative of water. She could put a shell. She could put uh, a rock that was in a running uh, stream that was very round, round and soft from the water. She could put that because for as well that could represent for her that idea of, of the water. Right, so you can be, you can think broad. You don't have to be very specific. But uh, yes, some people have just their totem item in their medicine bag. Uh, traditionally, that wouldn't be what you did, but it, there's no rule. You can you can do what makes you feel uh, supported. Because that's what the medicine bag is. It is your medicine. It's your support. It's not anybody else's support. It's for you. And that's why uh, we say to make it yourself. Because then it's really your. You can put. You see, this one is Caroline has made, and she has put design. And she has made. She has cut a particular shape that suits her. And so you can do. You can have big ones. Some people have quite large ones. Some people have very small. It's completely up to you. Is that right?